Pastor. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get right into the message today. I'm not, we're going to just plow right through here, right? We've got a lot to go through. God's power in a time of dilemma. Encountering God. Maybe for some of you, you have not encountered God, and for some of you, you have encountered God's. And, and I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want you to take your Bible, and we're going to look at Exodus chapter 13, 17 through 22. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. As we look at an encounter with God's power, and this encounter with God's power comes in the context of a dilemma. So we're going to talk about going through God's power in this time of dilemma. So a dilemma is when you're in a no-win situation. Has there been anybody in this room that's ever been in a dilemma? Okay, just a couple of us. It's a no-win. I mean, any direction that you look in is a lose-lose. You are in a dilemma. And the most noted story in Israel's history was the crossing of the Red Sea, which was its biggest celebrated miracle. It happened with a simultaneous dilemma is what took place. The most celebrated story, the one that's repeated over and over and over and over and over in the Old Testament, is the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. It's repeated in the New Testament. But what I want you to catch today is that they had their divine encounter with God's problem in the context of a dilemma. So I want to prepare you today for an encounter with God. How many of you want an encounter with God? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But I also want to prepare you for a dilemma that provides the context for the encounter. Now, the background to this is very clear. Moses has come through the 12 plagues, the 10 plagues, and he's now leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Pharaoh has responded now, and finally, to Moses' call to what? To let my people go. And so the people now are on their way out of slavery to where? To freedom. They're excited. They're looking forward. They've been told that there's this promised land, this purpose of God that God is going to take them to and things are going to start looking rosy for them right now as they leave on their way out and we're going to be reading here we'll start to notice in chapter 13 of verse 17 that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines even though it was near he says I want you to catch verse 18 so it says God led them so let's go ahead and we're just going to back up here let's start with verse 17 and here's what it says Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near for God, said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day and a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night and a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night did not take away the pillar of the cloud by day or pillar of fire by night from before people. People don't realize this. You're seeing the Shekinah glory of God right there. Isn't that amazing? He led them. Isn't that amazing, church? I mean, think about it. God does some great things in the midst of our problems. God does some great things in the midst of our dilemmas. But I love right here that it says, you know, if, if we were to look at verse 18, it says that God let them, led them. So let's, I'm going to do this today, and sometimes I don't want you to be bored by it, but I think it's just so important for us to reference chapter 14. I'll highlight it, then we'll be done today. But I kind of want to read the scripture because I think it's so important. Many of us know the story of the Red Sea, but one thing that I felt I learned through all of it 
was that there's a dilemma, but God can be right in the center of our dilemma. I know that sometimes I preach messages that are more on, we know God has this can-do power, and he does have this can-do power, but we also know that God can be in the midst of our conflict, that God can be right in the center. And by the way, he can lead us right to that conflict to change our life. But we have to be in the center of God's will, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I want to kind of tell you, this is my own little journey. You know, that I've been going through even in my own life. So let's go ahead and, and look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. And it starts out by saying, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Piaharoth, between Migdol and the sea, opposite Belzephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. I like here, and I'll break it down in another translation. It'll be a little bit easier here later on. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Go ahead, highlight it. Do whatever you need to do in your iPad, your iPhone, or even in your Bible. But it says here, I will harden. Who hardens Pharaoh's heart? God does, right? So that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army. And the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. That I am the what? Lord. Man, sometimes in our, in our hardships, in our conflicts, in our dilemmas, sometimes we forget that God is there. He is Lord. Amen? Amen. So we continue. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled in the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. There it is again, circle it, highlight it. Heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Right? So you'll see this shift. They're bold, then they're not. They're confident, then they're not. They're courageous, then they're not. So it says, so the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Piharoth before Belzephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were what? Oh, brother. We started this out and said, the Lord was with them. Then they were confident. Now they're afraid again, right? And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Isn't So here's what they're saying. I'd much rather go back to slavery than to be abandoned in the wilderness. And then there's this great prophet, Moses, who is so loving and kind and who's had these encounters with God as well, said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. Woo. The Lord will fight for you. Isn't that cool? I just love it. And, and I just love when it's up on the screen because, I mean... You know, you have your Bibles and we're looking down, but doesn't the Lord just look big and great and strong and powerful and mighty? Because I think when the word's all in caps, the Lord, we know who reigns supreme, who has all authority. And so we see it, you know, evidence. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, now, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts. There it is again. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. 
And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near to the other that whole night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he looked off their chariot wheel, and, I'm sorry, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us fl- flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. Isn't God good? And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army and Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. Not a one. Not a one. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Now watch. See, right there's a God story, right? Right there's a testimony. Now they've witnessed it. It's physical. It's in front of them. It's we're in real time. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant, Moses. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Help us to see it in its clarity. Help us to see another perspective that, Lord, you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That you're always in the midst of our our conflicts, our troubles, sometimes our confusion, sometimes our uh, our valley moments in the dilemmas of our life so father we ask that today that you'll speak through me help me to bring clarity and to communicate this that it won't come back void but it'll prosper into the hearts and souls and mind that'll saturate our soul and our spirit that we'll learn from it and we'll grow from it god we thank you lord for your presence today in this sanctuary thank you father for those that are here lord i uplift our church family lord i thank you for them i thank you that Lord, for many of us that might be going through a dilemma, Lord, we pray that you will just uplift us and know that you are right in the center of this dilemma and you've led us to it. So, God, we love you. Thank you again for your grace and your mercy upon us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Watch this. Their dilemma is going to come about when God is leading them. Do you hear me? Their dilemma is going to happen when they're in the will of God. Their dilemma is going to occur when they are being obedient because it says God was leading them. Not only was God leading them into what would be a dilemma, it says God led them the long way around. He did not lead them in the short distance. Not only that, but God was going before them. And it says in verse 21 of chapter 13, it says, In a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night, he was walking with them every step of the way. And when they are doing this zigzag thing through the wilderness and trying to find their way, it says in chapter 14 that Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, verse 3, they are wandering aimlessly in the land and the wilderness has shut them in and the wilderness will shut them in. God is leading them. So when he says, and the wilderness shall shut them in, watch this, they're going back to be, or they're going back to a no-win situation. 
and they can't get out of without coming back toward us. They're never going to get out of this wilderness experience. It said, though, that through this, that God was leading them. He was leading them where? Into a cul-de-sac. He was leading them into a dead end. He was leading them into a trap. See, a lot of us figure God wouldn't do that. But God does do that. And the reason God does that is because only in those contexts will you see that he is God. Because the one thing about a dilemma is this. You can't get out of it. The one thing about a dilemma is you don't see an exit. And every direction you look in, you feel is a trap. When God is ready to move you to a new spiritual experience with him, which he will regularly do in the midst of contradiction and in the midst of conflict. And right here is their scenario. They're trapped. And it says in verse 4 of chapter 14, and you heard me say this. Now, I want you to go back to that. And it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. He will chase after them. Watch this. We often say that I'm going to turn someone over to God. And yet we can't see what God is doing because what we're really saying is, God, I want you to have your way with him. You know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I'll repay. We want to see evidence, right? But what about if the person becomes meaner than a rattlesnake? What about if this person becomes vindictive? Are you telling me that God's not working in the midst of that because he truly is? So watch this. To harden a heart means to make you more rebellious than you already were. To harden a heart means to make you meaner than you already were. To harden a heart means to make you meaner than you already were. And to harden a heart is to make you worse than you already were. And I think the verse says this, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart because when God is ready to give you a new experience with him, he will allow you to be put into a situation that only he can get you out of. And when God is ready to make this move, doesn't matter who you know, what contacts you have, how much money that you possess, or where you live, or the car you drive, when God is ready to give you a new experience with him, he will regularly trap you where you are. Interesting, isn't it? This was pretty convicting for me. I stopped and I'm like, wow. I, I mean, this, this is amazing because we all say, God, rescue us. God, give me the lifeline. Lord, help me. Lift me out of this. Pull me out of this. Lord, I, but yet we sit and we pray all the time. Lord, I, I want to have a deeper relationship with you. Lord, draw nigh to me as I'll draw, I draw nigh to you. But here's the thing. Many times we don't even pick up the word. Many times we don't even pray. Many times we don't worship. Many times we don't even come to church until a catastrophic situation. You know, when 9-11 hit, there were more people in churches than there have been in years. Because it was at those moments that people started crying out, what's happening? Let me ask you, church, we will see God move greatly and revival will take place. When hardship and suffering comes about in our lives. No, I don't get up in the morning and say, Lord, today make my life miserable. Trap me. I want to go right down to the cul-de-sac where I can't get out and I'm just running in circles like the children of Israel. 11-day journey took them 40 years. Lord, can I just be like that? Can you just like reign chaos in my life so I know you're around? No, we don't pray like that. None of us pray like that. But I do believe... That many of us pray that, Lord, deliver us from evil. We know the prayer. I like what it says in verse 8 of chapter 14. It says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel. God will always make it look like he's answered your prayers. Has anybody been there? You feel like God's answered your You're praising him. You're all excited. You're ready to give your testimony. And then he left on you. Like what just happened? 
I feel abandoned right now. They finally get out of Egypt. They've been praying to get out of Egypt. He lets them out of Egypt. Then he hardens Pharaoh's heart to come after them. Looks like he changed his mind. And as Pharaoh starts to draw near in verse 10, the sons of Israel looked and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they became scared. It says they were frightened. And so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Water everywhere. Where are we going to go? Pharaoh and his chariots are everywhere. Where are we going to go? And they're closing in on the Jews, and so they're terrified. And so they do what many Christians do. They cry out to God, help me, deliver me, help me, while simultaneously complaining to man. Verse 11, it says this. They said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way? Bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness? They'd already been in slavery. Think about it. We've been in slavery and we ask for God to deliver us. And what happens? We start complaining about it. See, aren't you thankful that we don't have God? That we aren't in charge of God, that he's in charge of us. So the conflict that they're in, the Red Sea, and the Egyptians produce a spiritual conflict within them. Because on the one hand it says they cried out to God. But then on the other hand it says they complained to Moses. So I'm calling on God, but I'm blaming man. Not only that, but I'm confused because a dilemma will confuse you. They said, did not we tell you to leave us alone? We were happy being a slave. We were happy being under Egyptian rule all these years. We were just singing swing low, sweet chariot. We were just happy slaves. Never mind that they've been crying out to God all the time for God to get them out of there. And he answers their prayer, but yet they want to go back to the very place that they were. See, because we become content sometimes and we become comfortable. God wants to move you outside of your comfortability so that dilemmas come so that you can start to feel and sense Christ. So I want to give you something that you can do when you're caught in a dilemma. And I believe that God himself is challenging each and every one of us here this morning. You must appeal to someone. And if you can't appeal to yourself who has a spiritual perspective, see, if you're confused and you're only taking Talking to other confused people who do not share a proper view of God, then all you're going to do is reinforce the frustration of your dilemma. God has allowed you to be there because you're in the will of God, even though you are confused and God alone has to give you clarity. And so, even though they were complaining about Moses, only Moses would give them the proper perspective because Moses was who? He was in touch with God. So here's what Moses says to the people. Because they're crying out to God and complaining at the same time. So Moses says to the people, do not fear. Don't be afraid, okay? Listen to me. You know, me and God talk. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Stop worrying. Be calm. It's going to be okay. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. So he brings in a spiritual perspective to their human dilemma. She will accomplish for you. The Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you while you are silent, not while you are talking. You see, what he is referring to was the complaining that they were doing. Not the crying out to God, but the complaining. Have you been there? God will fight for you while you keep silent. I think many times we, we get that confused. We're doing a lot of this and less of this. So I want you to say with me, God will fight for you. Amen. They were now in the position of submitting to spiritual authority is what they, what they were. See, you must have spiritual authority in your life. 
spiritual people to whom you can appeal when you don't have spiritual answers, answers yourself. And all you can see are what? The circumstances, the conflicts, the dilemmas that are around you. Oh, but it says in verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. He says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now, here's the problem with that verse. Is there's nothing stated about Moses crying out to him. There's no statement about Moses crying. It's that the people cried out. But then God turns to Moses and says, Why are you crying out? He says, what I want you to do is tell the people now it's time to move. Tell them to move forward. Now, I believe this morning, here's the principle that we need to learn. He had just said, stand still. Do nothing. But now he gets another message that says, tell them now to go forward. So here it is. When God puts you in a dilemma and there's nothing that you could do or should do, you do nothing. And when God hasn't given you something to do, that means there is not something he wants you to do yet. But now he tells them to move forward, and it says, by faith they crossed the Red Sea. That's right. Remember this, that faith is in your feet, not in your feelings. That faith is in your feet, not in your feelings. You know, if, if this story wasn't so important... Then we wouldn't see it here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. Listen, he made it to the hall of faith. Moses made it there and it says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Woo! The hall of faith. It was now what took place in Exodus is now being recognized in the museum in the hall of faith. And so you're starting to see this play out right here. It says they did it by faith because faith often has to operate when fear is present. Faith does not automatically eradicate fear, but faith when it is operating overrides fear because fear immobilizes. But when it is operating and it overrides faith because fear has a tendency to just t- cause us to be immobilized faith moves even when you are fearful but when he gives you something to do you move he says tell the people to move and so the people move moses lift up your staff he lifts up lifts up the rod now called what the rod of god so he lifts up his staff and he says i will and then we start to see it here in verse 17 and it says i indeed will harden the hearts of the egyptians And they shall follow them, so I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. So Moses stretches out his hand with the rod in verse 21. And the Lord swept the sea back by a strong wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through, and it says in verse 23, Then the Egyptians took up pursuit to see a sea open up. The water wall on both sides, the whole army of almost 2 million people walking through. And you go in there after them. What? You've got to be crazy. Why would you go in after them? Why? Because they were made crazy by God, hardening their heart. So listen to me. So God may be hardening the heart of your coworker. God may be hardening the heart of your family member and making them treat you bad, making them treat you even worse than you ever thought. He may be hardening the heart of your boss, making him treat you worse or making her treat you worse. Or that person in your life. Or maybe it's just that circumstance. I believe this has really hit home for me because I believe that throughout life, you know, it's, it's hard, church. People love you, then they hate you. It's rough being a pastor sometimes. One minute you're supping with them, the next minute they want to stab you in the back with a knife. I, you know, and I know it happens to all of us, doesn't it? But maybe for us, maybe the, the situations that we go through, we just need to, to love people where they're at and understand that, you know what, I know who I am, I know where I'm at, and I know that I'm in the center of God's will. 
And that's why you've got to be in the will of God. Because when he makes it worse, he's using it. He says this, listen, now I'm quoting scripture. Here it says in verse 31, thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Watch this. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and the Egyptians will come after you. And when Israel saw, say this with me, saw. See, not not they haven't heard, they saw. And when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Why does God put you in a dilemma when you're in his will? Why? So you can see something. So you can experience him. It says when they saw the power of his will, when they saw the power of the Lord, they started to encounter God's power. And they said, you know what those people are saying? They said, take us back to Egypt. You see, do you know what God was trying to do? He was trying to deliver them from something in their past. He was trying to deliver them from something in their past. Egypt was their past. But you can get so used to yesterday that when the day goes bad on you, you want to go back. But he says this, I am going to deliver you from yesterday because I have a different tomorrow. But for me to deliver you from yesterday to take you to a different tomorrow, I'm going to create a challenge today. So I want you to look at your dilemma that you're in. That you're either in or that you will face differently. And now I'm going to make this personal for you. If you're not in the will of God, get in the will of God so that he can turn it into something that he can use. And if you're not walking by faith, but only walking by sight, begin to walk by faith and no longer live a life of complaining. You say all the time, oh, God is my whole life. Then why are you belly aching? So let's acknowledge the reality, but not blaming man for something God has done. Because you now have this bigger view of God who wants to show you his power so that he can blow your mind in the catch 22. Some of you have heard this story because you've been here for a while, but the newer people may not have heard this story. So I want to conclude my time with telling you a little bit of a few stories of my dilemma moments. You know, we were at the YMCA. We were growing in the space that we were in. We outgrew. However, the director of the YMCA came to me and said that they didn't realize that we would grow as quickly as we did and that parking and public spaces were getting all jammed up. Well, I was able to share with the director and his assistant what we just did. It was interesting because I was faced with dilemmas. You know, you start a church. We started 2510 4th Street. Leslie, give everybody the wave. We're getting ready to celebrate 18 years next, next week. Isn't that awesome? And so we were on 2510 4th Street, and then we moved to the YMCA. And, you know, they were all excited. They had prayed about it. We saw God move. And then uh, it, it was bizarre because we saw this opportunity, and they came to me, and they're like, listen, we've got to do something. We have people coming in and your people going out. Seventy people were more than the last church that was here that was here for about five to ten years. And, you know, they only ran about 40 or 50 people. We didn't realize that some of your events would have 100 people here. And I said, you know, I, I understand. But I said what was cool was that I could look at it as a dilemma. But it just so happened that the week before that, you know, I went to the Court Cultural Center and I heard about this place. And I knew where we were at and what we were doing. And, and this YMCA was over on Broad Boulevard. But this is the Court Cultural Center on Grant Street. And that's where we went. We were at the Court Cultural Center, and I'm going to make this long story short because I, I want to share something with all of you, then, then we'll close. But I knew that, you know, in, in our dilemmas and trying to move forward, that I needed to make, I needed to be reminded that even though I didn't say th- see things moving as quickly or as easily in my life, I thought, wow, God is doing something great here. You know, so I went to the Court Cultural Center, and some of you know the story, and I looked at the woman, and I said, hey, can we use the the conference room that you have down here since you have a church that's upstairs using the amphitheater because she'd already told me that. And she's like, sure. 
I said, awesome. You know, she goes, but under one condition, you have to pay the rental fee. And we normally don't have people working at the desk, so we're looking about 800 to to $1,000 a week. And I said, 800 to to 1000 What are you talking about? You know, we just started this church. We've only been in existence for a few months. I think it was six months. I said, um, we have a little bit of an issue. We don't bring that kind of money in, you know what I'm saying, 800 to to $1,000 a week. And yet, what was I doing? I started going back on, okay, I need to walk by faith, not by sight, right? So I said, hey, I was going through this series of messages on faith. And so I said to, uh, to the gal, I said, hey, could you do something for me? I need you to go to your boss. And she looked at me. She said, I've been here for 25 years. What are you talking about? I said, I just need you to go to your boss and, you know, find out if we can work, you know, something out here. And uh, she's like, okay. Now, she didn't even know me. Now she's really thinking I'm a nut job. And because I said to her, and I need you to word it this way. And she said, okay. I said, now, can you do what I'm asking? And she said, yeah. I said, I want you to go to your boss and say, hey, I spoke to a pastor this past week. And the pastor said to me, hey, is it okay if they can come in and use, you know, the, the banquet center for their church services on Sunday, so on and so forth. And, and, uh, and he wants to find out if, you know, you'll be able to, uh, allow them to come in and get somebody to work the front desk on Sundays and, you know, uh, but I said to her, please just say, he's asking a favor of you. So she went to him. She calls me back on that Monday and she says, well, Pastor Todd, I need to tell you something. And I said, what is that? She said, well, I went to uh, the director of Kaga Falls and uh, I know I've been here for 25 years, never seen this happen before, but I did what you said. I said, okay, this pastor and his church they want a favor from you. Well, one day a favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. You can labor your whole lifetime and not put you where one day a favor can place you. That's the unmerited grace of God. And so she said, I did what you said. And you know what he said? Would you please just give the people the banquet hall? Yes, we'll put people there. And how about this? We'll set up and tear down for them. And let's just do it for like, what's a nonprofit fee? $35 a week. Wasn't that what it was, Leslie? 35 bucks a week, something like that. It was cheap. And why did that happen? At first, we're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? How are we going to move out of the Y? Where are we going to go? We don't have money to buy a church, so on and so forth. And so, you know, we, hey, God worked it all out. So there we were at the Court Causal Center. And then we end up moving to, you know, we see this opportunity at Riverside Drive. And on Riverside Drive, it's, uh, you know, a beautiful church. It was for sale. We'd heard it from somebody. Becky and I rounded the corner. And, you know, we saw this dilemma right before us. And this dilemma was this. A big, huge sign from a realtor. I said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Becky said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. She said, hey. I said, what, honey? Now, you got to remember, this is us. We go right up and we lay our hands on the doors. Dear Jesus, give us this church. We claimed it right then. We didn't know anything about it, but we were claiming it. I mean, this was awesome. Riverside Drive, North Hill, right off the interstate. It was perfect for several years. And... Um, Beck says to me, honey, you have a way with, with you and you, the Lord having a relationship. Why don't you just try to find the pastor? And we'll ask a favor of him. And I said, yeah, maybe we, we should do that. But maybe we'll just call the real estate agent. Called the real estate agent. We followed all the little tracks. And, and uh, it was, his name was Greg Donner. And it was he and his dad. His dad's passed away. He was an elderly gentleman. He said, oh. So you all want to buy this on a land contract? Nope. We've already had a couple other churches. It's not going to happen. I already talked to the church. They're, they're not going to let you have this building on a land contract. And I said, oh, man, this is a dilemma. What are we going to do? Okay, we've grown at the Core Cultural Center. We got out of the YMCA. And what was so great about that dilemma was right when they came to me and said, hey, you guys need to move. I said, okay, that's great. We're moving up the street here. See how God's timing is perfect? Close one door, open another door. Do you think at that moment that I thought he couldn't part the Red Sea? I knew he was parting the Red Sea. We were claiming it, church. And so I said to him, I said, you've never done what? Oh, that was it. I think it was a Monday night. Could have been a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't even know. I said, Leslie, I'm coming to your house. Get your computer out. We've got to write a letter. We've got to get a letter. He goes, well, I'm going to be meeting with him. So we go over and we write up this beautiful letter. And at the very end, it says, we pray that you'll find us in your favor as you consider our letter of intent. And so 
here's this beautiful church. They just remodeled the sanctuary. That's where these chairs came from, just to let you all know. So they spent the money, got the chairs, and he said, I've never seen this before. I walked into the meeting. He said, nope, we're not renting. Nope, we're not going to do a land contract. And you've seen me do this before. The pastor said he picked up the paper, didn't even read it, threw it over his head and said, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Would you please move in New Hope Christian Fellowship? They're in Akron, Ohio. Well, amen. So there we were. We're moving in there. And so God starts to work all things out. We even put in there that, you know, the money that we had saved in, you know, just in that year's time, we're like, well, we'll pay this down payment. We promise we'll be faithful. This is what we're going to do and so on and so forth. And we did just exactly what we, we spelled out. But, but the real estate agent came back and he said, you know, I've never seen this before. On top of it, he goes, I'm Catholic. And he said, you know, being raised Catholic and I've never seen the power of the, what did you say it was, the Holy Spirit? I said, you better believe it. That's the power of Jesus. That's what happens. This wasn't, I, and so he's like, can you come over to our house for dinner? Didn't we go to his house for dinner? He and his wife met him, didn't even know these people. I'm like, we had dinner, we all talked. And you know what? I was able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. You see, God does, hallelujah. God does things in front of us, right? He wants the children of Israel to see that he can part the Red Sea. Who cares who's coming behind us? There's, our, there's always somebody on our tail. And you know what his name is? Satan. He wants to trip you up. He wants to ruin you. He wants to take you down. And I'm here to tell you, church, there is victory in Jesus Christ. And, you know, we have to be reminded of that all the time. So we're there, and I'm thinking, you know, we've, we've outgrown this building up here on Talmadge Avenue was a, was a church. Now, here's kind of a cool little, little story for you. And uh, so it kind of gives you a backdrop into a segue going into next week. But I don't get a chance to share this story all the time. But we were going to move into... We wanted to give an offer on uh, Talmadge Avenue up the street here. It was a car lot right across from Petiti's. And I'm like, oh, this would be great. Two lanes this way, two lanes that way. We can do all kinds of things. We can, you know, but there was really no yard. And, but yet it was a dealership. So I thought, how cool would this be just to be able to have a church there? So, you know, we're still growing and going. And, you know, we meet with the real estate agent. And um, they want $690,000. That's about... $595,000 more than what we had. And so I said, okay, well, this is great. And it was really weird because there's these two guys. One was on the board, and he did this. I call this, this is the prune face. Oh, let me put Guess what we did? We prayed that the doors would be closed and you wouldn't move in over there. You know what I said? Oh. So what'd you do? We prayed that the doors would be closed over there and you wouldn't move in. Me and him. I said, right then I felt there was a dilemma. Everybody else was like, you know, this would be great. God could do anything. God's the miracle working God. He can do anything, right? God's always on the move. Are you kidding me? I already saw him part the Red Sea on 2510 4th Street and 1157 Riverside Drive. And then Grant and, you know, we saw him move all the way through. And yet, you did what? Did you just tell me that you prayed against us? Well, at the time, I kind of thought the same thing. Pharaoh hardened your heart too. God hardening your heart. You like Pharaoh? Well, I learned something through that, that God did harden their heart because God closed the doors. And I'm so thankful that prune face went to prayer on my behalf (laughs) because we wouldn't be here at 226 Southeast Avenue, hallelujah, with 10 acres of parsonage and what God has done, amen? Where can you get a million-dollar property for $125,000 because God is parting the Red Sea? We become fearful of what God's really going to do when God's really working all, all things out for His good. All things. I'm glad I didn't move down there. First of all, I didn't have that kind of money, but did you think I was limited to the power of God? No, I was not limited 
to God's power or his miracles because I know that in a catch-22, God sees things differently. And in our dilemma, he opens up the Red Sea and he allows us to cross over. You know, I, was, I ran in the, the mayor's office and the mayor, you know, said, so, nice property down there. I heard that story. You heard what? You heard a story? Was that a God story? Yep. Why? Because we didn't do it. God did. See, we have to listen to the voice of God. We have to put our faith to practice. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. In Exodus chapter 18 says that the cloud and the pillar of the fire went from in front of the Jews and went to the back of the Jews to create a block so that Pharaoh's army could not get to them until they crossed over. The good news of that for you is that he says, I've never forgotten. So anytime any of us ever run into a dilemma or we run into a conflict, I know for myself, when I look at some of the obstacles and how we've grown, I'm always reminded and I remember the yesteryears. I remember what God did back in 2005 and 2006 and 2019. Anytime we run into a problem, I remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I remember to tell you, let's move forward. And when God says move, even though we don't see how it's going to work out, because the God who can create an accident or open up another door at just the right time can do whatever he decides to do, in the dilemmas in our life, as long as we are in the center of God's will. So this morning, I believe that God wants us to see him, and he wants you to see him for yourself in the dilemma of your life. And I'll close with this thought. When the children of Israel were at the Red Sea, they truly were in a pickle, weren't they? They have Pharaoh coming one way, and you've got a whole sea out in front of you. And yet there's nowhere to go. They were at rock bottom. But you know, when you hit bottom, and you can't go any lower, there's only one direction that you can go in, isn't it? You have to do what? You have to look up. And God will often put us in circumstances that we can't fix to reveal his awesome power. When the people you know and the money that you have the influence that you possess can't get you out of it. Look up. Look up. When you've hit rock bottom it is there that you discover that he's the rock at the bottom. So keep your eyes on heaven when earth can't help you. Keep your eyes on eternity when time has confused you. It is in those moments that there is an unveiling of God's omnipotence, his awesome power to intervene on our behalf to reverse and to open up a way out of no way. And if you haven't been there yet, keep living because you will get there. And if you have been there, then you know what I'm talking about. Our God is a powerful God and he meets us best with that power when we find ourselves in circumstances we just are unable to fix. God sees us. He's with us. Aren't you grateful? Let's rise to our feet and pray. Father God, we thank you that you are God and you are God alone. That God, we worship you. We thank you. God, I know that fear and anxiety and worry has come upon all of us in this room. Lord, I'm sorry for our lack of trust and faith in you, but I pray that you will increase 
that faith and trust in our life as, as we decrease. God, I put all my faith and trust in you. And I know that all things, all things, in quotes, all caps, work together for your good. God, I don't want to go back to Egypt. I don't want to go back to slavery. Do I, do I want to go back to, to 2510 to Leslie's desk and preach behind a little music stand with a little CD AM FM radio player for our worship music? I'll do whatever I have to do, Father God. But I thank you that you've shown yourself real and that you've opened up and that you've allowed doors of opportunity and the Red Sea to part and obstacles that people would say, this cannot happen, it will never happen. God, we saw you move. So, Father, I'm thankful that we've been able to, to trust in you and put our faith in you. God, we, we are grateful that today, right here in this room, that all of us, we've honored you, we've glorified you, Lord, we've praised you, we've worshipped you, Lord, we've come before you. And, God, we ask that you will intercede on our behalf. And, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, in, in all of our lives and dilemmas and struggles and problems of this world, of this earth, God, you are always there answering our prayer. Father, forgive us that we've not put our faith and trust in you and, and that our lack of faith has truly diminished because we're looking more at humanity and what, what this earthly life has to offer other than our heavenly life and, and our relationship with you. So, Father God, we ask that today that you will perform miracles in the lives of each and every person that's here. God, we can come to church, but if we don't live in the center of your will, doing what is right before you, God, then, then it doesn't matter. But, Lord, we need to be reminded to continue to live in the will of God. God, there might be somebody here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior. They've never confessed you. They've never believed in you. Lord, they need to be saved. Today's their day of salvation. Lord, they need to start today trusting you in all things and working all things out for them. God, so right now I uplift them and, Lord, impress upon their heart that during this altar call, if they need saved, Lord, I'd love to pray with them. And, Lord, together we can celebrate their salvation. The next week they can get baptized. They can just celebrate their victory in you. God, we all have issues. We all have situations that we've been in. Lord, we can always try to look in the rearview mirror and try to think that back then, things might have looked this way or, or been this way but God you always want to move us forward so Lord deepen our love for you strengthen us help our love to grow deeper and deeper challenge us to Lord cry out to seek your face to, to not seek your hands what we can get but Lord to see that expression and just one nod from God can change the whole course of our life God help us to, to love you with a deeper, deeper love. God, I uplift our church. I uplift those that are listening, that are watching. God, today, Lord, stir within their spirit. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, be with us. Bless this few moments before we close as we reflect upon you and reflect upon our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.